It's your boy Marcus, aka V Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Thanos of Titan the Typos, coming at you live. Uh, for this week, um, me and Kat did want to take a little bit of a break just to sort of plan out our next episode. Um, but I did want to post an episode just to keep. Uh, the flow of our, you know, pacing in our show going. So for this week's episode, it's going to consist of deleted scenes, um, just pieces of conversations uh, between me and Kat that did not make previous episodes. Also, uh, it's going to be featuring executive producer Kellen Conley, a.k.a. B-Hyphen of Hyphen Nation. Um, he's a very good friend of mine, and we chop it up routinely uh, regarding film. Uh, so this piece of this conversation uh that we've had recently um but i wanted to have a platform for it so this will be that platform um if you're a fan of the show uh, thank you very much for your listens um, we definitely appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts um if you do love the show or like this show or have an interest in the show uh you can definitely reach out to me and cat at our twitter uh it's cat k-a-t and a-n-d mark m-a-r-c uh, also on my Twitter, Sean Matt Love, and Cat Twitter is Cat underscore Chinetti. Um, if you do like the show, also please make sure you rate and subscribe and share with your friends and family. Uh, due to you know quarantining, uh, there's a lot of extra time to to listen and to uh, put information out there that you like to enjoy. All right, so without further ado, here's our deleted things. Hope you enjoy. This deleted scene is something that may have should have uh, stayed in the episode, um, but it kind of didn't have a place. But here is the place for it right now. Doing me and Kat's conversation with Dan Fox, independent filmmaker, Hans Zimmer came up and Kat had some uh, surprising takes to say the least. But one thing that I noticed watching... <laughs> This is so bad. Uh, watching Inception on mute. Yeah. At, immediately after watching The Prestige, which does not have a Hans Zimmer score. No, it does not. Is that I think the Hans Zimmer score might be a huge part of my problem. With the movie? With, just with a lot of Christopher Nolan movies. Really? I, generally speaking, am not a huge fan of Hans Zimmer's stuff. Pirates? Pirates uh, this is all right. But I think after after the first one, it starts getting very derivative. He doesn't come Fair. up with any new Fair. material after the first one. And that's my problem with his take on the Spider-Man movies, too, uh, is that the only Hans? new... Hans Zimmer did The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Did he? Yes, he did. No way. And he, he did, with Pharrell, uh, the uh, part where... They're in Times Square, and Electro does that weird EDM with Wait, was that really him? whispering. That was really you know, him. That's he lied worst. to me. He hates me. That's his worst work, if that's the case. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, that's it's a-, a hard, it's a hard thing to unlearn. Yike. Anyway, uh, so I, I'm starting. To, there, there's definitely a part of me that was like, oh, watching this on mute is like significantly more tolerable to me. In this clip, uh, Kat talks about a temporary hiatus she had to take from Twitter. I feel like we all kind of go through periodic needs of exercising our way away from social media. Uh, so it was a situation that Kat felt that she needed to take this sort of break for herself. Um, so here's a piece of that conversation. So did I tell you about my experiment to have an entirely pure Twitter experience? Oh shit, what happened? So I decided... Does this need to get cut out of the episode? No, I think this is fine. Um, So I decided, uh, because everything is terrible right now and incredibly stressful if you live on the internet, that I was going to disconnect from pretty much everyone on Twitter and shove them all in folders. So, like, I I could, like, check the, like, hyphen podcast group folder and check in with those people or, like, you know, my my writer friends folder and check in with those people. But I was going to make my feed... Like, my timeline, whatever you call it on Twitter. Yeah. Entirely, completely, and utterly fans of the television program Jeopardy. Uh. And that's it. 
because I wanted to see if it was possible to have an entirely pure Twitter experience. Dog. <laughs> so I was just just following accounts that talked about Jeopardy. And specifically just following hashtags related to Jeopardy. Yeah. And I was like, yes, okay, great, fantastic, love this. Like, we're all in on this nonsense. Yes, good, great. Um, so, uh, like, oh, I would say eight-ish days into this experiment, uh, an Indian guy, I, I think he's Indian, I'm not sure, a, a person of color uh, who tried to sell his soul on eBay uh for a for an experiment he's a writer uh one and all of a sudden well first of all people got like angry when not all the questions got answered people were like if that bitch on the left didn't take so long to talk like it's like jesus um but then when a person of color won like suddenly it got like a little yeah racist uh and then a woman with a short haircut won, who was wearing a suit, and all these people were like, well, if this dyke hadn't come in, I was like, whoa! Like, <laughs> where, is she, where is she hiding the strap? <laughs> I'm like, what is hap- what? Yeah. Like, so, pe- and it wasn't even, like, if they won. Like, that wasn't really the issue. The issue was, like, if the questions didn't get completed, so they couldn't finish their at-home board. They would start hurling these insults. Yeah, man. The, uh, the, uh, I don't even... Because the funny thing is, like, even thinking about the, the pure Twitter experience, like, even for people that I think are at least humorous or at least thoughtful, like, I mean, they'll still tweet some, like, reckless shit every now and then. Not, oh, not, not even really tweeted. Maybe they'll even just retweet it or whatever. Um... But it's it it doesn't exist because uh, I mean I may even post I don't post well I'm not very um I'm not very anti anything I don't even I I don't fuck with Trump but I don't even really tweet like a lot of anti Trump stuff only because it, I know I'm kind of tired of just seeing it so I know other people would be also. Um, but I, I mean, I tweet jokes that are funny that some people may not find funny. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like ignorant shit, but um, the whole thing of the Karen shit on the internet. <laughs> like, ugh, Karen being a racial slur. And, oh my God, like, it's... The, the TL, man, the TL is... It's a land, it's a landmine. Like, it's, it's a landfill filled with landmines. <laughs> yeah. And this deleted scene, it's a conversation that I have with Kellen about Kevin Smith, who is a director that I initially thought um, I wasn't necessarily a fan of. A few months ago, Kellen and our friend Lamb, um, they had a conversation, an entire uh, podcast episode dedicated to their love of Kevin Smith. Um, Kevin Smith is someone that initially, before this conversation, I was kind of, you know, whatever about but during the conversation there are some pretty interesting revelations about kevin smith that i particularly enjoy so hope you enjoy yeah i i mean i think it it only took me so long because i actually procrastinated like like i did not i did not start editing like right away like i thought i was like i ended up chilling and then I started editing, and then for some reason I started watching American Pie. So, <laughs> uh, you got yeah. sidetracked by Nadia's titties. I get it. I bro, get it, bro. Bro, I'm telling you, American Pie. Hold, well, that scene is is hella problematic. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, nah, man, that shit completely holds up. Um, nah, man, I I, th- I do think American Pie for me at least has the edge because um i think there's something like fantastical about super bad that that's kind of like abnormal like how many like teenagers are like riding around with like cops and like blowing up cop cars oh but, yeah 
But I'm pretty sure we we know someone has done very strange sexual things with inanimate objects. <laughs> yes. yes, this is true. Yeah, man. So I'm giving my vote. I'm, I know you said you meant to vote for Superbad, but we're still counting well, your vote anyway. It was one of those things where it's like when I went to it, my immediate thought was American Pie. But then, and I just went with my gut, which was American Pie. But then as soon as I hit Superbad, I was like, oh, man, but McLovin. And, and it was like Jonah Hill and, and um, the other kid, Michael, uh, what's Michael his face? Sarah. Sarah. They their first movie together. And it's a. It's an um, Apatow movie, so but and that, so I was kind of like, man, maybe I voted wrong. But honestly, there's Apatow movies I like way better than Superbad. And and actually, is that an Apatow movie? Is that a, a Seth Rogen movie? I think it's Apatow. Um, I mean, Rogen helped write it. I'm pretty sure. I'll look. I'll look it up right now. But I'm pretty sure he was a writer on it. Um, but... Yeah. So. Uh, my gut was right, but then I, I had buyer's remorse immediately, and then you validated me, so I should have just waited. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not so crazy then. All right. So, yeah, Ro- actually, Apatow produced it. He didn't write it. Um, Seth wrote it with uh, this dude. Goldberg. Goldberg, yeah. Yeah, that's his um, writing part. So I don't think Apatow did shit with this movie. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where he may have just been called a producer in name, I guess. I don't know. Because oh, um, yeah. this is after Virgin and everything, so I'm sure that he had something to do with it being able to get made, because I'm pretty sure this was, if it was, I'm guessing Rogan directed it too, him and Goldberg, so I'm guessing nah, that this like their, no? No, nah, this dude, uh, Greg Motola. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, he directed Adventureland, which... Already? Yeah. But um, uh, Seth Rogen had this um, this interview with Tyler, the creator, about how um, he... I mean, him and this guy, they basically wrote it and, like, they kept pitching it. Um, and the, the, the period story actually happened to some kid, um, in, like... That that went to like I guess like middle school or high school with him, and so he yeah. like just put the shit in the story or whatever. Um, and I, they actually filmed like knocked up in like, like um, or I can't remember which one that they had written and they said oh we've been writing this since like high school and we finally got to do it. I'm pretty sure this is it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure it was super bad. Um, and they filmed like apparently they filmed knocked up and like super bad like back to back basically. Oh um, really? Because Knocked Up came out June in 2007. Super came out uh, August 2007. I will watch Knocked Up over Super Bad nine times out of ten. Ooh, damn! I don't know what it is, man. I, I enjoy that movie, but you know, a movie I don't like really, and I've tried my damnedest. Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Express. I knew. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Like. That's a real stoner movie. I'm. I don't. I don't get stoned enough to really. I subscribe to that theory, but it just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I'm a big yeah. t- about that team, but it just does not do anything for me. Yeah, it's not. It's. I like some of the characters, but it is so boring the whole way through. I feel like, and it's like, oh, now we're doing funny things. I'm like, I don't like. Harold and Kumar did a better job with that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Helmer Helmer Kumar were, were pretty good and pardon the pun, but Pineapple Express was definitely the mid. Like yeah. it was like yeah. in the front and actually knocked up has a higher Rotten Tomato and Metacritic than Superbad, which I would not have guessed, honestly. Um but no, I Pineapple Express, like I was like people hyped it up a lot. Um but yeah, Pineapple Express is not really good, honestly. The funny thing is, I think uh, Zach and Mary make a porno is is actually better than Pineapple Express. Oh and yeah, that has that has a lower Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic than Pineapple Express. One um, of the underrated Kevin Smith gems, definitely is uh, Zach and Mary for me. I love that freaking movie. 
Oh, shit. I didn't know Kevin Smith directed this. That's funny. Yeah, Maybe I... His big breakthrough where he broke the 30 million. I, I know too much Kevin Smith stuff. But he was, <laughs> I think, I forget what the budget was. But 24 mil. Like, okay, thank you. And, like, all his movies, um, after, like, home theater and everything like that, they pretty much would hit about 30 million and stop making money. And so this was, um, Zach and Miri supposed to be the one that really catapulted him over that. 30 million dollar uh you know that ceiling and so he's supposed to make all this money because it's right after apatow and super bad and this is the time for his kind of movies and the problem was the damn movie was named zach and mary make a porno and nobody knew how to market the damn thing (laughs) and so that's why i didn't really make anything but that movie is super underrated and super funny i think oh yeah bias included and all i still say it's super funny so this is the third Kevin Smith movie that I actually like. So um, I was a big He's wearing fan. you down. Actually, no. Actually, let's go back. It's not the fourth. I'm oh, sorry. It's not the third. It's actually the fifth or sixth. So I fuck with Kirk. I fuck with Clerks. Oh, I fuck with OG Clerks pretty heavy. Um, I fuck with Mallrats. Actually, hey. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First one. Go ahead. I'm actually the first four Kevin Smith movies I like. So it's Clerks the ninety four, Mallrats ninety five, Chasing Amy ninety seven, and Dogma ninety nine. I fuck with all four of those movies, but then he does Jane Silent Bomb Strikes Back, which nah. It's a weak entry. It's definitely a weaker and again that was him again doing something where it was like all right, well, this is after American Pie and everything started hitting. And he's like, well, let me go back and do something over the top with. And I think they started doing like the teen movies and the parodies and Scream was big. So, again, I really feel like the first Silent, Jay and Silent Bob was like, let's do this goofy, gross out comedy that everybody seems to love and nobody seemed to love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm good on that. Um, uh, they need they did Jersey Girl, which. I oh, think yeah. I may, I think I may have saw it on HBO once, but I don't remember this movie at all. Was this so this this movie has a a uh, uh Affleck and uh and Lopez in it. And then, a, no, no, that's Jilly. No, 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 no. Oh, no. she's in. Yeah, she is. She's she is in this. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. she dies like within the first couple minutes of the movie because she was like Affleck's wife before. And then the whole rest of the movie is about him and his daughter and him meeting Liv Tyler. Almost said uh, uh, Jennifer Garner, but it's Liv Tyler. Um, and, well, yeah. Um, I mean, Jersey Girl is fine. Uh, again, that was like his first movie after Jay and Silent Bob. And then it just happened to be in the middle of all this bit, uh, Affleck Jen stuff. Um, so that was a big problem. Like It was good publicity, but I think G Lee had already come out. And so he just kind of got shit on again by the timing of it all. But honestly, it's it's not that bad of a, a little rom-com, man. It just sucks that he had happened to have Jen and Ben right when they're at the peak of their Benefer phase and they'd already failed as movie stars together. So this is bad time again. All right. So it has a 42 on Rotten Tomatoes. And here is a is a kind of a review in a sentence for this movie. Surprisingly. Okay. A surprisingly conventional romantic comedy from Kevin Smith, Jersey Girl is warm, but often overly sentimental. Would you agree with that? Eh, that's about hits the nail on the head. Yeah. He, he, like, I think Carlin's in that movie. And, like, George, he has yep. pretty, George Carlin. It was, like, one of his last roles. And I feel like he had a pretty big role in that movie. And he tried, and, it, like, he was really, like, a serious turn for Carl, Carlin. Because I don't really remember him having too many serious acting roles. Um, I so, don't. I don't remember him in any movie. What? Like I don't. I don't remember he, him he in any in movie. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in Dogma. Um. So I really think they were kind of going for it as far as what he was, what he was doing, and then Affleck was kind of. Of course, he's in the Benefer phase, but I mean, Affleck wasn't. He, he could be balls at that point, I guess. But I mean, he was okay. He he didn't phone it in completely. And Liv Tyler normally brings it, and then Jennifer Lopez wasn't in it very long. Okay, so so here's the next two 
um, Kevin Smith movies. We have Clerks 2 in 2006 and Zack and Mary in 2008. Clerks 2, I fuck with, and Zack and Mary, I fuck with. So, in his first 14 years of filmmaking, for me, he only has two misses and he has he has six hits. So, maybe I am a Kevin Smith guy and I just never wanted to admit it. it he gets such a bad rap. Um, in general, is, uh, because one, he always shits on himself anyway. But then the way his career has gone with him always having just missing on like the movies parts. And then, of course, he's involved in writing comics and he's in some TV stuff. And then he was getting some acting roles. And like he, he was just doing everything, like a little bit of everything for like years. Like, say, let's see, Clerks is 94. So say that by the time Mall Rats drops from 95 until like, 20 until the too fat to fly stuff happened which is like 2008 ish 2009 when all that happened like he just had his hands in a little bit of everything like did you hear know that he uh prince hired him to shoot uh, a documentary for him and he was at paisley park with him i did not know that no dude you you may have to look up an evening with kevin smith i think it's on part one because there's like three or four of them now um but the first evening with kevin smith you might be able to find on youtube it just is him talking about Prince hiring him to be his director for this documentary. He was at Paisley Park. He tells the whole story about just random things that happened while they were filming. He didn't say anything bad about Prince. Loves Prince to death. And then he says when they're done and he cuts it, he said he gave it to Prince. Prince looked at the tape. He said, thank you. He watched Prince take it into a vault and he never saw it again. Jesus. That's the most Prince thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, if you can find it even with Kevin Smith, man, I think you really enjoy it. Because that's the kind of thing that he got into. Like, he started doing these college tours and just sitting up there and talking. Like, he was podcasting live, where podcasting was even a real thing. And so he would always be doing these speaking engagements, just doing stuff like that. And then from there, he went into podcasting real heavy. And then he decided he did want to do movies, but he didn't want to do it the studio's way. So he made a bunch of crappy ones. And then, of course, he had the heart attack. And then he's like, oh, well shit, let me get my life together and we lose all this weight and let me try to make amends with a bunch of people I burn bridges with. And all of a sudden, people are interested in my, my stuff again. So let me just run with that. And that's what so, we're at Kevin Smith's story in a nutshell. <laughs> so maybe the 2010s is where he lost me because yeah. none of these fucking movies I've... Like, Cop Out, I don't even... I barely remember that even being a thing. Cop so, Out is better than it should be, but it's not very good. And plus, it's probably one of Bruce Willis's worst acting jobs of his career. One, because um, you can just see it. And then two, there's a whole bunch of drama that went with went down with him and Kevin Smith. Because Smith directed it, obviously. And it was the first movie that Smith didn't write that he directed to. So I want you to tell me if if these you don't have to even go in depth if you even know the story, but just tell me if you even like these movies. Uh, Okay. So cop out, yes or no? Yes. Red State. Never saw it. Heard it was tusk. Tusk. Uh, Not touching that with a ten foot pole. It's a bad. No, there's no way. Twenty sixteen. Holidays. I think I've saw that on the Wikipedia page or on IMDb, but I've never seen it. Yoga Housers. Yoga Housers. <laughs> um, yeah. it looked really bad, but it's it's Johnny Depp's kid and his kid Harley uh Harley Quinn Smith in it, and it looked like that they might have pulled it off. Um, I've never watched it though, but I am interested in seeing it. And Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I've been dying to watch it since it came out, and I just have not happened had to do it yet. But I'm gonna say I'm probably gonna like it because there's a shit ton of cameos from like a bunch of his other movies in it. And even if it is centered on Jay and Silent Bob, I think I'll like it. So why is Tusk trash? <laughs> the premise, spoilers. Uh, I believe there is. I think Haley Joel Osment's in it with Justin Long, if I recall correctly. And the whole premise is this the one guy goes to another guy's house and he's rich or something. And he essentially pays his dude to put on a walrus suit. And he puts on the walrus suit. Nothing freaky happens. But then he's trapped in the walrus suit, I think. 
And so he has to, like, he tries to figure a way out to escape from the suit and from this crazy person. That's the best synopsis I can give you because I haven't read it since, in years, that, since Tusk out. That sounds fucking terrible. Oh, yes. my God. Yeah. Why? Oh, <laughs> damn. I guess I just, um, oh, shit. Um, never mind. So I was going to ask, <laughs> speaking of Tusk and Justin Long, why didn't he have a better career? Like, because... I tried to ask Lamb that when we were talking about Kevin Smith. And he was like, his answer was like, oh, well, he just didn't have anything else to do. I'm like, no, I, he was kind of a big no. deal for a second. Yo, I'm looking, he... his, I'm looking at his filmography. He's been in like three dozen movies, right. maybe more. Especially guess... in the mid to late 2010s, man, he, or, or mid to late 2000s. He was in a ton of stuff that was getting at least some kind of press, you know? He did five movies in 2006, four in 2007. He was in Waiting, uh, wasn't he? He was in what? Wasn't he in Waiting? Uh, yeah, that was 2005. He was in, oh my God, 2009 is wild. Hold on. Uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He was in eleven movies in two thousand nine. <laughs> See, he was everywhere. I guess he just didn't. I guess let me look at his Rotten Tomatoes because I guess he just didn't pick good projects. I don't know. I gotta say, and like his whole the way he comes in in Zach and Mary, he's only in it for five minutes, man. Oh, mega as, check. Yes, he is definitely on Waiters Island. And, like, he pretty much damn near steals that whole movie with just that one scene with the guy who played Superman, like, what was it, three years earlier? <laughs> Brandon Ruth. Oh, damn. Damn, you remember his name. Good for you. Yeah, like, I'm going to get with this dude I couldn't get with when I was younger. And it turns out he's gay and married to this huge uh, male porn star. <laughs> and then Justin Long just comes in and slays that whole scene. I will watch that scene any time of day. And that thing will, I will laugh my whole way through. That whole scene's incredible. They definitely improv that kiss at the end, too. Like, you can tell. Oh, yeah. The other dude was not going in for the kiss, but he just, like, Justin just went for it. Soups was not having it. But he's like, oh, you know what? So, according to Rotten Tomatoes, he's, oh my God, of all these movies he's been in, only two are rated over 90. Only two are rated in the 80s. Four Which one? Are rated, um, Galaxy Quest is 89. Live Free or Die Hard is 82. Drag Me to Hell is 92. And some movie called And Then I Go is rated a 92, which this looks like a... like a, It only has 13 like reviews from critics, so it has to be like some indie movie that no one's ever heard of before. Um, which actually would probably be up my alley, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, no one knows what I've I've never even sniffed that movie before. So it didn't. I don't think it even got released in the box office. There's no box office number. Um, but oh, he was in Dewey Cox. I didn't. I never knew that he was in Dewey Cox. I, love, I need to watch that movie again. I love that movie. Me and Lucy used to run around saying, wrong kid died. Like, we'd be out in public and see each other. We're like, wrong kid died. Hilarious. We laughed so hard at that scene, that opening scene. Like, uh, we cried on our friend Jonathan's couch over that movie for, like, half an hour at how funny that was. And we were both dead sober. Bro, i never seen it, man. I need to see it. Oh, it's good. Anything that uh, John C. Riley fucked with is normally good, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. He has really good taste in movies. Like he, he he's like, yeah. For this deleted scene, we can keep it short and sweet. Spring Breakers was trash, and James Franco is trash as well. Have I okay. ever? Have either of you ever seen? Uh, this is my favorite piece of film criticism. Uh, it is uh, Kyle Calgren, who is uh, more affectionately more affectionately known as Brows Held High. Uh, he did a review on the Harmony Korean project, Spring Breakers. Mm -hmm. It's 20 minutes long, 
And it even goes down into what is spring break? You know, let's let's talk about it and let's talk about Harmony Kareen's use of especially the female. And it's it's a very interesting critique of of a film that is a hot mess. Mm-hmm. I will say, did you like Spring Breakers, man? I fucking hated Spring Breakers. I didn't like it, but looking at it through that lens, I still think is valuable. A movie can do a good thing and still be bad. Yeah, yeah. The girl I was dating when Spring Breakers came out, man, like she fucking loved that movie. And I could not fucking see it. Hare like, Skrillex, hare hare. Uh, I used, we used to joke. Yeah, <laughs> we used to joke about whenever, um, whenever fucking, um, uh, what's his face blew the he blew the gun. We would always just joke like, "I just sucked y'all's dicks, y'all." <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, Do you mean Aileen? Oh my god! Like, that's also so- James Franco at that time was a known pedophile, which makes it even worse. Not good. The fact that we let James Franco write a book in which his obvious self-insert character was a pedophile, and then none of us were surprised when he was a pedophile, and then we let him make a movie about his self-insert character being a pedophile, and like his actions had no repercussions, is upsetting to me. Especially because I was underage and spending a lot of time at stage door theaters when he was actively being a pedophile so yeah that was a known thing in boston it was a known thing in new york yeah there were also like cases where he's like why are you on a college campus or uh scenes in his movies including his movie palo alto where uh the protective barrier that is often used in sex scenes in uh films was removed without the receiving partner's consent yeah it's and he true. was basically like, oh, I'm sorry, I just can't get my, like, mojo working with it there. This deleted scene is pretty cool and pretty important to me. Um, but in the episode uh, that we're initially recording for it, um, I just couldn't find a place to uh, to leave this. And um, primarily because I think it may have uh, maybe taken away from the conversation or it just couldn't fit in the flow of the episode. Uh, but for this deleted scene, uh, me and Kat chop it up over um, being a part of a culture uh, or being outside of the culture and being appreciative of it. I think it's pretty important because, you know, typically nowadays, um, you know, cultural appropriation is something that is identified and is a real thing. Um, but there is a level of appreciation that one can have of a culture without the necessary participation in the culture. So it, there is sort of like a gray area that you can actually live in. Then in, in actuality, I think a lot of people should invite outsiders in. But again, it's a pretty, uh, pretty touchy subject. But um, me and Kat had a pretty good conversation about that. How the, I didn't listen to it yet, but how the episode with Barry um, go? I think it went really well. It happened a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was really fun to do, and uh, I've only listened to half of it so far. But the half that I listened to was was pretty good. Uh, Verta was great. She's not really a geek in the way that Eric and I are, but she's <laughs> okay. she's very supportive of like the fact that she should be able to, and that her daughter should be able to, you know. In a way that I think is super cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of people who are, uh, I would say, of similar age to my parents who who say like, well, if this scene isn't good for you, then why do you keep going back? You know, maybe you just don't belong there. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I go back so that your daughter or granddaughter or whatever can go yeah you know sometimes that's just what what you gotta do and she is very in on that specifically in the gaming sphere and i think that's great i think you can be attracted to i definitely think you can be attracted to things that you don't necessarily claim like 
I know for myself, like, there's, like, a bunch of shit that I have interest in. Um, but I'm not necessarily subscribed to that sort of subculture. Like, like I don't, like, I legit, my knowledge of even comic books is very surface level. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say uh, probably it's a little more deeper than surface level. Um, surface level, but at the same time, like I haven't read a comic book since middle school, probably. So, like, like the idea of like cosplaying, like um, for me, that's something that I'll probably. It's funny, like I love Halloween, but the idea of even cosplaying is something I've never even considered. But at the same time, like. Um, I've always thought it was like really cool that people have this interest enough in something that they would want to build their fantasy into reality. So I think, like, like I said, like, and like I said, I've never had the inkling to do it, but you can be into something but not into the actual culture itself. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, like even like I mean, you like art museums, like if. Like, you can appreciate the painting. It doesn't mean you want to go out and be a painter. Like, you just appreciate the art for what it is. So, so yeah, I think you can... I think people can totally be on that sort of... On the outside looking in. But at the same time, like, they can still be very appreciative, like, of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. It's just nice to see, especially when it's, like parents you know yeah it's good to know that that parents are capable of supporting their kids hobbies even if they don't understand them uh definitely one we should do this again sometime me and cat don't particularly delve into the mcu um the mcu is typically something that me and kellen have had great conversations about on his podcast hyphen nation um in this deleted scene we talk about the mcu a little bit but also we talk a little bit on uh thor dark world far from home being a disappointment and some other mcu takes so what made you want to start the rewatch just just because i've been working on it uh just like a fraseri of finally watching Frasier. I had started it and then I stopped it for a while and I pretty much stopped it around Endgame (laughs) when that came out because I didn't make it. So I think I had just gotten to maybe I just gotten to uh, the first Avenger or maybe I watched Thor by the time Endgame came out. And then when Disney Plus came, I was like, well, there's no reason now for me not to watch all these. So I started from Iron Man again. And uh, I've been making my way through it. And I've just been going by the time they dropped. I'm not trying to go chronologically or anything. So I'm on Age of Ultron now. Is that why you wanted to do the three cat movies? Um, Yeah. Yeah, because I just finished Winter Soldier uh, for the first time in a while. And i just seen First Avenger. And Civil War I've seen the most out of all, all of them. And I was like, man, I really want to sit down and do talk about these cat movies. And I know Eric would love to because that's his guy. And I, I just wanted to talk about those three movies a little bit. And I may still come back to that, obviously. I haven't watched um, First Avenger in years, man. I, actually, I think the last time I watched First Avengers was probably the last year I was in in West Virginia, I think. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's... Honestly, like it's a good movie, but I don't feel like it's it's definitely not as rewatchable as the other two Captain Marvel or Captain America movies. So I can see where it doesn't get that much run, but I, as a movie as a whole, especially in the trilogy of everything and setting up more pieces that led to where we ultimately went, I feel like it has a valuable spot in an MCU. Yeah. No, man. I've I've actually always been pretty. Um, I feel like. First Avenger is for me. It's kind of like, as far as like reputation, like Thor: Dark World, like where people just sort of dismiss like the movies. But for me, like I've actually always really fucked with um, Avenger, uh, First Avenger, and Dark World. Um, for me, I, really I enjoyed ha- Dark World this time through. You say you enjoyed Dark World? Yeah, like the first the first times I I watched it and stuff. 
because I didn't see that in the theater. Um, first couple times I watched it, I was like, all right, it was fine. But I really liked it this time. I don't know what it was, but I thought it, I could see why it gets the bad rap that it does, but it's also pretty solid in some places, I think. So out of the 23 um, MCU movies, I have Dark World ranked number 14, and I have First Avenger 16 right above. <laughs> you may hate me for this. I have it. I have them both like right above Far From Home at 17. Far From Home has not aged well for me. Ooh, I haven't rewatched it, man. I never rewatched it. Um, it's it's still very solid, and I know its ranking is fairly based on what happens in the other movies for you, but compared to Homecoming, like it's it's night and day. Homecoming is the far superior movie. Far from Home is good, has yeah. a lot of good in it. It's not a bad movie. It shouldn't get a bad rap, but I'm not as on base with it as I was before. Yeah, man. Like, cause. I remember, you know, leaving the theater thinking it was, like, really solid. But then it's not only comparing it to Homecoming, but you, you're you you're comparing it also to fucking Spider-Verse. And they, yeah, they don't, even, they don't even touch it. In this deleted scene, we don't talk shit about movies. <laughs> so it's really obvious as to why it did not make the episode. But I thought... I would include it anyway, just to sort of give a little peek behind the curtains of how uh, the life of Sean Matlove and Kit Kachinet is played out. Um, in this deleted scene, we talk a little bit about ourselves, um, how we were in high school. Uh, spoiler alert, I was definitely a square. <laughs> but um, also a little bit of relationship talk. Um, but it's, like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> uh, about the podcast, but it does give a peek on you know how our, how we kind of you know sort of have been functioning in the world in the world or lack thereof. <laughs> I saw it Sunday. I saw this Kevin Ryan book today, so I'm actually going to try to like give it a go to try to juggle two different books or whatever. But but yeah, I want to pass on Grash. It's also not legal in your state, is it? I mean, they open up state parks, so they don't. I don't think they care about people's health here. Mm. Yeah. But um, is it legal in Massachusetts? Heck yeah, baby! Oh shit! Gotta get super high. I bought my mom seventy dollars worth of pot for Christmas, and she hasn't smoked any of it. <laughs> she was like banging the gong of like all I want for Christmas is marijuana and then we like got it and she's like well since you said I had to smoke outside because it gives you and your father migraines I will not it's like oh okay wow. fine that's funny that's also fine <laughs> maybe she ate just an edible edibles are no she wants edib- to smoke it's the nostalgic thing oh I don't know man like well, I, I didn't. I never smoked in um. I never smoked in high school, so I, I had no nostalgia. I uh, I like would occasionally have a drink, with like my parents' permission. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, hilarious. Scandy up in here, in this house. Shit, I'm not gonna lie, man. I was a square in high school, man. Like I wasn't getting into anything. Oh, I was a super square. I I used to do like. I think I did, like, one dumb thing. And if you were to look at my journals from high school, it's all me going, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that thing. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm a bad person. <laughs> and then, like, eight weeks later being like, well, I did it again, and still nothing bad happened. The the wildest shit I've ever – well, <laughs> I did one wild thing in high school, uh, which – uh, I I may not tell on this like public platform, but um, that's okay. The second wildest thing I did in high school, I uh, I I kissed I kissed the girl at prom that was not my date. So <gasps> I like, yeah, man. I asked my best friend Matthew, who's been on Isla Pal before, to prom, 
And I sent him a text message that said, hey, feel free to say no, but do you want to go to prom with me? And then I sent a text about two minutes later, realizing that this may be misconstrued, saying, as friends, of course. Because, like, we were friends, and it was very established that, like, we were friends. Like, that was it. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, he wasn't my brother quite yet, like he is now, but, like, he was my brother, you know? Yeah. And then he said, I don't like you like that. Oh, shit. <laughs> but he didn't He didn't read the second message. Damn. So I was just like. Well, oh, well, oh, maybe he did. Like, in my brain, I was like, oh, so you've been nice to me out of pity this whole time. Like everyone else. Oh, OK. Like wow. I, my brain just immediately went like, well, good thing he validated that you're trash. Uh, and uh, then like three days later, he's like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I'll go with you. Like, like you didn't talk about it. He's like, he's in the text back. Uh, he sent a text back saying, like, I don't like you like that. And then I felt super awkward, and I didn't really want to talk to him. Damn. Because that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. And, like, when I say, like, my senior year of high school, he was my only friend. Like, I really mean that. Like, we hung out every day. We, every weekend, would go to see a new movie together. Yeah. Uh, because there had been, like, a big... A big uh, reckoning in my friend group because I had been dating this guy and then we broke up. And everyone said they didn't pick sides. But suddenly he had all the friends and I had none of the friends. Yeah. Except kind of him, weirdly, which was like even more uncomfortable. You say friends with him? Kind of. Well, he kept trying to be friends with me. And I was like, okay, but you dumped me because you said I was too much work. It's so, like, I don't understand how being my friend is different. That's just a guy making excuses that he doesn't want to deal with a woman's uh, emotional, not even dealing with women's emotions, dealing with the fact that he's responsible for someone else's emotions. Also, like, not for nothing, because I do not blame this boy at all. We were both 16, and I was had a lot of shit. He had a lot of shit, too. Um, but, well, like... Yeah. I mean, I think no, I, my, my I think I'm still saying... <laughs> I think I was a lot more open about the amount of shit I had. And he was kind of like, uh. I mean, I so, mean that's kind of the thing. Like, We broke up. We, we stayed on good terms. But then a friend of a friend, like our mutual best friend, came up to me one day after like play practice. And was like, he's only friends with you because he feels bad for you. He only dated you because he feels bad for you. He's only friends with you because he feels bad for you now. Uh, so, like, deal with that however you want, but, like, just know that, like, none of us ever liked you, and we're just doing this, you know, because we we felt bad. I would ask if high school was that mean, but I went to high school, and yeah, high school Um, was that mean. And, uh, I just completely removed myself from that friend group. Yeah. Uh, except for, for Matthew, who was involved in that friend group, but not really. Yeah. You know the funny thing is, like, you're talking about how you were super open with him, and maybe that put him off, whatever. I'm, like, really questioning how honest I'm going to be in my relation, my next relationship. Neither, like, as far as, like, keeping, like, lies or secrets or whatever, but I feel like my last relationship, like, we were kind of, we were actually kind of, I feel like saying too honest is wrong, but, like, we were really honest about a lot of our, like, emotions, mm-hmm. but it eventually came a point where we were unloading baggage on each other in probably unhealthy ways, so. I mean, I think that you have to really make the other person earn it, you know? Because, like, I've found that, like, the last person I was dating, we really got, like, very emotionally close really quickly. And then we broke up, and I still have no idea why. But, like, when that happened, I was like, oh! Like, it was so bad. Because I was like, oh, well, like, he had a lot of my, like, emotional kind of insider information. Yeah. 
you know, was it based on that? And then I was like, well, I had a lot of his too, but like, so I don't think it was just like, oh, we were too honest with each other too fast. But I was like, oh, oh, like. Yeah. You've met my parents, you've seen me naked. Like, and now we've broken up, so I have to kill you. Like, Jesus, (laughs) I can't have that information just like petering out into the world. Uh, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. Um, I guess uh, I'm not shy about actually talking about like my like anxieties and depression. Um, I don't necessarily like tell like just like I don't bring it up necessarily in passing, but I don't have like a problem with telling people like specifically about it. Um, but yeah, there's like plenty of shit that like we'd gone through that I. There's stuff that she'd gone through that I didn't even necessarily tell my family, which it's kind of like in, in the in the in the moment it's kind of like well, I want to be honest with my family, but I want to protect her feelings also. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a lot of like sneaking around a line or whatever, but but yeah, I think it was that relationship was a lot, man. It was a fucking mm-hmm. lot. So I don't know like what my next relationship is gonna look like, honestly. All right, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Uh, Next week, me and Kat will be back to discuss selected films from Wes Anderson. So be on the lookout for that. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe. Also, please share with your friends, family, loved ones, enemies, whoever. (laughs) Uh, This is a very good podcast that me and Kat have together. And thank you, Kat, uh, from the bottom of my heart for for participating with me on this crazy journey. (laughs) And for the listeners, thank you very much for taking the time out to listen uh, from Kat. Uh, and I, we definitely appreciate it. Um, also, uh, if you have a Twitter, you can follow our Twitter at Cat and Mark, K A T A N D M A R C. You can follow Cat on Twitter at K A T underscore Chinetti, and me at Sean Madlove, S H O W N M A D L O V. All right, so we'll check you guys next week. We'll discuss Wes Anderson. Peace.